let's talk about heaven because this is where we're going. Uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. Saved for what? Saved for heaven. And heaven is a phenomenal thing. This is our, our third uh, sermon in this series. And uh, it's just uh, it's so very exciting what God is doing for us, what he has prepared for us. So what we decided to do is to look at that because our proper understanding of heaven uh, gives us a right perspective on living, right? If we know what really is awaiting us, it helps us to put this world kind of where it ought to be, right? Uh, the troubles that we have, we see them in the right perspective of how God can use them. The, the things that, the good things that happen in our life, we have right perspective to say, all right, how are these opportunities to serve him? It gives us hope uh, when we understand what heaven is. It gives us hope. It gives us motivation to living for Christ. A right understanding for heaven is very valuable for us. Heaven matters deeply today. And that's why we're, we're talking about it. Today we're going to talk about design and uh, not decorating, although there's part of that that's into it. But how God reveals heaven to us in Revelation 22, 23, the design of it speaks volumes to what's awaiting us, right? God didn't just willy-nilly throw heaven together, right? It took six days to create the universe. He's been up there 2,000-some years, right, making heaven. The new heavens, the new earth, right? Every detail matters, and you're going to see about that today um, as we continue our series. So uh, let's get to the text. The text comes to us today from Revelation 21, 9 through 21. There's a lot of text here, and uh, I have this from the New uh, International Version. That's uh, what we're using for this series. And uh, it starts off with this. Oh, and you'll notice I took the numbers... And I made them actual numbers. And there's a reason for that later on. So don't let that throw you. Here we go. It says, One of the seven angels who had the seven, full, uh, had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. Its brilliance was like that of precious jewels, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be twelve thousand stradia in length, and as wide and as high as it is long. He measured its walls, and it was 144 cubits thick by a man's measurement, which was what the angel was using. The wall was made out of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophorus, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great 
street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Now, doesn't that sound awesome? I just think that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. Well, the, in heaven, you'll see there was a lot of numbers that God uses as far as the design. And if you're like me, I'm not a numbers person. Maybe you're a detail person. You like really, really get those, uh, those number things like really miss you. Like, but uh, when I read it the first time, I was like, yeah, 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 thousands, all this kind of stuff. It's big. I get it. No, there's more to it. But in order to see that, we have to understand that in Revelation, just as we talked about last week, how Revelation, the, the concept of time, right, the concept of renewal is cyclical instead of linear, right, in a thought. And this was a book written for the Jewish people, the Jewish mindset, right? And so it's a rebirth, a renewal, a remaking of not a something brand new that never existed before. We also realize that this is a, a book that's apocalyptic, Right? It's, uh, it's not a newspaper article. It's a style of writing it's, uh, that uh, Jewish people were very, very familiar with. It's uh, every single image in, Gen- in Revelation comes to us from the Old Testament. What the apostle is telling us here are things that I believe that he actually saw. But he's drawing from the Old Testament to create greater context and meanings and all this kind of stuff. In an a, uh, apocalyptic writing, you talk about very literal truths, very real things that are bigger than our concept or, or be able to explain them just with, with words. And so what they do is they have uh, symbolism, big time, like the dragon. You read about Gen- uh, in Revelation, it says there's a dragon that went to, to eat the, you know, the baby, right? Well, Satan is a dragon, right? But there wasn't like a, a physical dragon that came out of the water that tried to eat baby Jesus, right? That's a messed up story. The reality is, is that there was a real dragon, a spiritual dragon, Right, that was after him. So, uh, to understand the wickedness, the size, the scope, the horror of the enemy, they use a uh, revelation uses uh, very powerful symbols. Right, and so how we understand revelation is you recognize that there are images in there that refer to very real things. Satan is very real, <laughs> and he is very powerful. Right, and he is very defeated. Uh, but also the thing that we recognize is that numbers and in apocalyptic writing, numbers matter. In fact, just to God, numbers matter, right? And the very real creation, right? Seven days carries significant meaning for us, right? And so uh, 40 is a number that you see throughout Scripture, both uh, literal things as well as figuratively. God uses that number quite a bit. 12 does that. So in order to understand Revelation and what God is saying to us and how he made it, we have to understand the numbers, So let's talk about those, because a lot of us maybe have read the scriptures many times, but have wondered, what do all these numbers mean? Well, let's go. There's there's two sets. Uh, The first one, just your base ones that everything kind of builds off of. And these aren't all of them, but these are the main ones that you're going to run across in Revelation. Three, four, six, seven, ten, and twelve. So let's go through that. Three is equals divine, or God. God is triune, Right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When you see things in three in Scripture, it usually is referencing something to do with God, His divinity. Right? It's important. Four has to do with the earth or creation. In Scripture, you read about the four corners of the world, northeast, southwest, right? Uh, the, the entire span of this world. Uh, anything that, so when you see four in there, usually the Scriptures are talking or referencing uh, creation or the earth. Six, this is one that most of us know, sin or sinfulness. And actually, uh, we'll go into why that means, because you have to see seven, then we'll talk about why six is what it is. Seven 
is God's perfection on earth. Right? It's not God. God is divine. Creation is four. Three plus four, seven. Right? God's perfection on earth. Where God is, so when you see seven on, on there, like the seven full bowls of the judgment, it's, it's God's perfect judgment for earth. Right? Seven bowls. Seven. God's perfection on earth. What's six? Six is one minus seven. Try to be divine on earth, right? In this world, try to rise to that level of being like God, but fell short. Right? Six, also, uh, when we were made, a sixth day, which is kind of interesting too, but sinfulness, falling short from God. And so you have things like the, the mark of the beast. What's his number? Six, six, six. It's like saying, trying to be God, but I keep falling short. That wickedness, that sinfulness, that uh, is so huge. So anyway, the, there you go. Now let's talk about ten. Ten is one of my favorite ones just because it's so practical. Human completeness. And you know why? <laughs> the best study for this is look at your hands. Okay? If you're not a mechanic, you probably have ten fingers. Right? <laughs> now realize that, uh, <laughs> that it... it Ancient times, you know, a lot of manual labor was out there, and a lot of people lost digits, right? And so if a person had all of their fingers, they would say they were complete, right? And so the idea of, of having ten fingers is the issue of completeness, but human completeness, right? So in Scripture, when we, or in the, especially in Revelation, as you see ten, you're talking about human, humanity, and, and fullness, completeness for there. Now, twelve, twelve is interesting. Twelve is God's people. Uh, you have the twelve uh, tribes of Israel. You have the twelve apostles. Right? And so when you see twelve coming up in Revelation, it's God is talking about his people, the church. It's his, uh, those that are saved, his people. So twelve. Now, based upon these numbers, we have some more complex numbers. And uh, those are based upon those original numbers. And so once we have those numbers, we can understand these. In this passage, and in Revelation generally, these are some of your major ones. 144, 1,000, 12,000, and 144,000. And, and uh, so we'll just go through these real fast. 144 is 12 times 12. That's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right? And that means all of God's people. It's kind of like him saying God's people is 12. Right? We're, we're still God's people. But putting an exclamation point there. Like, really, nobody's missing. All of the covenants, anybody who has ever been with God, this is who I'm talking about. Okay? 144. It's kind of cool. 1,000 is 10 times 10 times 10. Better than 6 and 6 and 6, right? But 10 times 10 times 10. Absolute fullness. It's like the exclamation point for human fulfillment, like human fullness, right? It's like, they're 10, but, but they're really 10. But no, no, really, really ten. Like, so unbelievably complete. Right? Nothing missing. Exclamation, bold, underlined, italicized, everything. One thousand, you see, you're like, whoa! We get it, man. One thousand. Absolute human fulfillment. Right? Fullness here. How about twelve thousand? You have any guesses? Well... 12 times 1,000. That's my level of math. I've got to love the Bible. Twelve are God's people. One thousand, right? God's people. Every believer. It's like a really big emphasis. When you see twelve thousand, it's like, get this. Every believer. Right? God's people. 
all of them. Right? As far as anyone who is a human, that is a believer. Boom, 12,000. Doesn't mean that there's actually 12,000 believers. Right? Which is when we get to 144,000, because this has been something that's tripped a lot of people up, because they think 144,000, wait, what, is, that, is that everybody? Wait a second, what does that mean? Well, it's 144 times 1,000. Remember 144? All God's people, big underline. Like, really underline. Like, that times 1,000. Every single believer ever. Old Testament, New Testament, every, I mean, it is the loudest megaphone of saying everybody that believes. When you see 144, it's that God is emphasizing something huge to us, right? And so, uh, we don't believe that it's like a, a... For some who take those numbers just literally, and they say, okay, there's 144,000 believers, and that's the totality, right? And then they base an entire theology on that. Then it, me- it really messes us up. And it's actually the opposite of what God is saying. Because we think, well, there's this limited number, which actually in Revelation it talks about earlier than that. says there's a number that was too big for anyone to count. We can count to 144,000, right? So the scripture is not, you know, contradicting itself here. He's making a point. 144,000. If you, if you believe that there's only 144,000 literal people that are going to be saved, then it's a competition to get into heaven, right? Then you, you've got to outgood somebody. Right? Because the better you are, the better your chances are that you're going to get there, and they probably won't. Right? In fact, mathematically, if you're in there, it means that somebody else isn't. That would have been there if it wasn't for you. And so in order to get to heaven, you have to commit you know, murder, basically, on a spiritual level. And that's just messed up. And here's the thing. 144, what God is saying is everyone. Everyone, everyone, as loud, as, as emphatic as I can say it, everyone who believes, there's this place for them, right? That's what I'm talking about. All of God's people ever. So we have the numbers? All right. Let's get into the passage because we want to talk about what does it mean. Okay? Here's our key. Twelve equals God's people. Look at heaven's design. Okay? In your Bible, it has twelve gates, twelve angels, twelve foundations, twelve precious stones. What is God telling us in this? Twelve gates. Is there a place for you to enter God's kingdom? You're God's, God's people, right? All right. That's the way. Can you get into heaven if you're not one of the twelve? Is there a gate for you? No. Right? Heaven is open. There are gates. God has made a way for his people to be in there. But heaven will only be populated with his people. Right? That's a powerful thing. But if we believe, right, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what will happen? (laughs) You get in. You will be saved. And it's not as though it's a competition, right? There is a gate for you. There is a way in to heaven that is set, right? God wants you to get in. I love this one. Twelve angels. What are the angels doing? They're guarding. Right? The the angels are there, and they are protecting heaven. You understand that that if you are in Christ, you are protected. Is there any gate? Is there any way in that that God is is somehow left open or is unattended? You know, is there a person that's uh, one of his people that, that he doesn't care about, that he's not guarding? No. 
In the kingdom of heaven, every gate is covered. Every believer is covered. It's unbelievable. It's, it's fantastic. The God of the universe and the heaven, the place that he has set for us, it's not open to attack. We don't have to worry about being snatched away from it, that we're somehow vulnerable, that we've got to be nervous the whole time. There are angels at every gate. Every believer is, is under God's sovereign protection and under the protection of the angels. It's phenomenal. Twelve foundations, right? Uh, God's people, right, are supported in heaven. There are twelve foundations firm. It's, it's not as though it's, uh, it's a foundation built upon something else, somewhere else. The foundation of heaven is based upon, like, he made a place for his people, right? It's big enough to support you, right? Heaven is there. The, the last one there, the twelve precious stones, right? And each one is different. You notice that? That they have these twelve foundations. Each one is this enormously awesome, beautiful gem. Twelve different ones, each unique. Each has its place. Each shines brilliantly. Now, what is God telling us when he designs this? Twelve gates, I think, let us know that, that we're welcome. God wants us in heaven. He didn't make one little pearly gate and put an old saint up there with a book that says, well, is your name here? No. God knows if your name is in the book, right? Twelve gates, he's saying to us very loudly, this place is for my people, Right? This, this is what I want for you. I'm making this for you. The, the 12 angels, he's saying, you are secure, right? You're safe here. The 12, the 12 foundations, you are secure here, right? You're not going to stumble. You're not going to fall. It's not gonna, there's, there's not going to be some massive something that heaven's going to fall down. No, it's secure. The, the 12 precious stones, he's saying to you, you are valuable beyond your wildest dreams to God. You are beautiful in his sight. You are welcome, you are safe, you are secure, you are precious. In God's design of heaven, he's speaking a love, uh, this is a love letter to you. That's amazing. But there's more. In uh, heaven's design, heaven is big enough for all of God's people. Remember 144 is all God's people like exclamation point and 12,000 is like really exclamation pointing. You know, every believer, look at these numbers. How big is heaven? 12,000 long, 12,000 wide, 12,000 high, and 144 thick. Now, think about what a wall is, right? You have walls of heaven, and there are four walls, right? It's like a square. So it's everywhere on earth, right? Throughout the globe. How big is it? He's saying, it's long enough to fit you. It's high enough. It's wide enough. It's, it's, it's everything, right? All of God's people. You're not going to get to heaven. It's going to be so crowded that you're not going to be able to fit in. Right? There is place for you to spare. Every believer. And just in case we miss that, it doesn't just like the walls were like massive, like God has a place for you. 144 thick. Right? Old Testament, New Testament. There is a unity in heaven that is beautiful. All of God's people for all time, in the entire world, <laughs> there is room for we don't have to worry about having to outgood somebody to get there, right? We don't have to worry that if we populate heaven with more people, that somehow my, my mansion up there is going to have to be crowded in. Like I'll have like a little tiny townhouse or something, right? Because I evangelize too much. No. <laughs> there is room 
for everybody. And to spare. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Made for you. And this is where we belong. Right? I mean, the thing is, it's big enough for us. And then we get to... I like this one. Heaven is open to every believer on earth. Every believer. Look at its design here. You've got three equals divine or God. Four equals earth and creation. Let's look at the heaven's entrances. How do you get into heaven? How did God lay it out? There are four sides. North, east, south, and west. What do you think he's telling us by that? Yeah. It's not about being part of a certain race physically. Right? It's not about part of being a part of a certain country. It's not about being part of a certain time period that is just better, right? It's not as though you're going to get to heaven and God's going to say, well, I didn't really make a gate for you on the west side, right? He opens it up for every believer in the entire world. What does that tell you about God's heart for people? That you don't have to look like me to be a member of God's kingdom. You don't have to live where I live in order for God to love you, right? And for me to have a better access to God than you do, right? Now, God's heart is for the world. In fact, that's what Jesus said, God so loved the world, right? In fact, way back in Isaiah, right, when Isaiah was prophesying about the Messiah, he said that there would be a light that would come in this world. And he would be a light even to the Gentiles, Right? And everyone on earth would be blessed through him. See, God's plan of salvation was for all people. That's what God wants. He loves us. And how he designs heaven is he makes it very clear is that, you know what, no matter where you live, no matter your nationality, no matter your heritage, no matter where you come from, there is a way in. But look how he designs the gates. Three gates on each side. Right? Divinity. See, we as humans didn't make our way in, did we? We didn't earn that way into heaven. God did. For every person in the world, right, there is only, if you want to get into heaven, there's only one way in, and that's God's way. But that way is wide open, available to anyone. Right? And of course, how did Jesus make that way in? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? And that's how God shows his own love for us. I love how that verse begins. Every believer has a place. Every believer has access. It doesn't matter who you are or where you live. It matters what you believe. What do you trust in? If you're trying to earn your way into heaven by being good enough, the design of heaven clearly says that is not how it works. God made the way in for you, right? If you're trying to to be better than most so you can get to heaven, you have to realize that the size and the scope of heaven is big enough that God says you don't have to be better than anyone to get into heaven. I was better than them, and I will make you better because you belong here, right? It changes our perception on faith. The ugliness of religion is this. It's this horrible lie that God is somehow this unpleasable guy up here, right, that has this standard. He's up there, and and he's saying, listen, the person that gets closest to me and this standard, I'm going to let in. 
And then as long as you reach some unknown certain, then, then you're going to be in. And so all about religion is about trying to get ahead in line, right? So, so you, you meet the cutoff. And how God designs heaven speaks so loudly, so definitively against that wicked way of thinking, that hopeless, that, that, that troublesome way of thinking that, that keeps people up at night and makes us fear death. God says, nope, I've made a way. I don't care where you are. There is a way in for you. You are protected. You are provided for. You are precious to me. There is a way in for you that I have provided by grace. Heaven is for you. And I think that matters deeply in how we live. Right? As the the worship team comes up... And we bring this part to a close. How does it matter? Right? I think it matters deeply in how we live. You know, a hope that isn't secure is kind of a lousy hope. Wishful thinking. But our hope is secure. God made heaven in such a way that we know exactly if we can be right with him or not. Right? We know exactly how to get in. And we talked about that today. It is through Jesus. He is the gate. He is the way. That's exactly what he called himself. Now take out your your green card because there are some next steps that I want to invite you to. One thing that you can do this week is memorize Romans 10.9. Think about that, that way in that God provided, that gate. Maybe you want to share or pray for an unbeliever or share what you've learned about heaven with somebody who isn't in Christ. You know, most people in this world desperately want to be close to God. And we come up with all kinds of ideas that make us uneasy about, am I or am I not? Share the hope of what God has done for us. I mean, look at what heaven is, how much he says he loves us, just by this. And most people are really interested on talking about heaven. If you say, you know what, I'm going to pray for an unbeliever, maybe you're going to um, talk with them about what you've learned. Also, maybe something we can do is pray for another congregation in town. Because you know what? We're not, the only, we're not the only believers, right? Isn't that wonderful? We're not even only believers in this small valley. There are brothers and sisters, too, and they're trying to help people connect with the same Lord and Savior that we have. It'll be a cool thing for us to do as a church, take a week and just pray for our, our other believers in town. Pray for the ministry. Pray for the leadership. Pray for their effectiveness. Pray that God will just bless them richly, and they will grow, and their, and their ministry will be effective. Pray for faithfulness for them. That would be a huge thing. There are some other great things that you can do. Maybe it's starting a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never heard the gospel. Maybe it didn't make sense before. Maybe you want to claim your place in one of those gates. Uh, man, come talk with me. Uh, I'll be in the back. I'd love to talk with you about that. Or baptism. Uh, maybe it's coming after second service to our membership class if you're new with us. You want to learn about, uh, it's actually just a newcomer's reception. If you want to learn about who we are and what we believe, you want to pick my brain a little bit, and I'd sure like to get to meet you. Maybe it's that. Maybe there's something else. Maybe it's like serving our children, right, and our praise place ministries. Uh, they are also part of the kingdom too, right? God doesn't have an age requirement. They're part of the kingdom. And maybe it's serving them. And God is saying, you know what? I'm going to help build the kingdom through our children. Maybe it's getting involved in our, our wonderful women's ministry or some of the men's ministry things that we're doing. But make a commitment somehow to be living for this kingdom. Right? Let's live for this kingdom because it is for us. 
right? And we don't have to wait till it's revealed from heaven for us to enjoy some of those wonderful benefits. So make that commitment um, here in just a minute. We are going to take our offering. What I want you to do is please place this in the offering basket as it comes by. Uh, we would sure appreciate that. That would be a great thing. I'm going to pray for us as we close. Um, and then Ryan will be praying for the offering. So, so let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. Uh, you are so good. You really are. And uh, that you would make heaven for us. Just how you even designed it. So beautiful. To speak to us. Uh, that uh, you want us to be there. Look at all the barriers that you took away. We don't even have to walk around the building, Father. That you, you created gates on every side. That you made a way. Father, that you make a place for us. And that's a sure thing. That you protect us and you will support us in this kingdom. Father, it's more than we deserve and it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Father, thank you. Let us this week, Lord, live as children of that kingdom. And we know what waits before us, so Father, so let us live with that type of, of abandon that's, uh, that we need from this world. Father, that we don't cling so tightly to this world which will pass away. But let us live for, for your kingdom. Let us build uh, and invite other people to join us, Father. Because you are truly a great God and you have great things for us. And Father, there are commitments being made right now. I pray that you would bless each of our people as they make these commitments. Give us the faithfulness and the, the ability to keep those commitments. May they honor you. We pray that in Jesus' name.